and welcome to the Sensory Matters podcast. I am Loz and today I'm joined by Purple Ella. Hi Ella. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm really excited because we've had a, a really long break of podcasts, so it's really nice to, to get you as the first guest. Oh, am I the first one back? You're the first one back, yeah. Um, and you're actually the only person I messaged because I really wanted you to be our first guest. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. Yeah, <laughs> I always feel that um, we've got a very similar life. So yeah. I kind of... When, when I realised that I was autistic and I was looking for people to relate to, it was a lot of youngsters. And then yeah. you were there and it's like, they're just like me. Yeah, I think, yeah. That's, I think that's what's been really nice is that I have been able to be kind of a, a person that's there representing the over 40s, if you like. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I remember when we met, I think when we met, you, you hadn't realised that you were autistic even maybe. No, probably not. If people started telling me the more I started meeting people and they say do you think you're autistic I was like I've never really thought about it and then I started to look into it started to make notes on my phone of all my traits I was like do you know what I think I am but then by following people like you so I follow you more on Facebook I'm a Facebook person but I see you being your authentic self and it really makes me want to be my authentic self oh, it's that's like, amazing to hear yeah I see like I see you and I think oh they've done that right, I'm just going to go for it and just be myself because I see how happy it makes you. And then I'm like, yeah. you know, obviously it's a big release to be yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think even hopefully during the time that you've been um, uh, following me, I I'd say that's become even even more of a thing. You know, like I think when I first started talking on the internet about autism, I still had a lot of unmasking to do and a lot of yeah. learning about autism. And, and more recently, I feel like that I have been able to, unmask and be myself and be confident in a way that I hope means that my content will be even more useful for people that are like where I was back then when I started if you know what yeah. I mean yeah definitely and I think that's it I feel like I'm on a similar journey to you but a few years behind it yeah like I'm yeah. following in your footsteps in a way I think yeah. even sometimes when I look at your kids compared to my kids they're also very similar yeah yeah because we've both got um kids that are gender questioning yeah. and yeah yeah definitely have come out of school and needed yeah. a lot of alternative provision and what whatnot so yeah I think that's the thing I think it can be quite an isolating thing being part of a neurodivergent family because you might not know other people in your local area or connect with other people but at least that's the great thing about the internet isn't it at least you can find someone online that is sort of a representative for you and your family and feel like less alone or something definitely I definitely agree with that and so that's, I, I send a lot of people towards your YouTube channel just because since I've been diagnosed, I've got a lot of older women coming to me and saying, well, how did it happen? Because I think I'm autistic. And then more recently, I'm waiting for an assessment for ADHD. Mm -hmm. So I've got people coming to me now saying, well, oh, I think I might be ADHD as well. What, what have you done? Um, and so I send them a lot to your channel as well, because you've got that overlap where you diagnosed Julie. Yeah. Um, because there's so many questions for me realising I was autistic, getting diagnosed, and then thinking, actually, I think I've got ADHD. Where where does the autism stop and the ADHD start? Where does it overlap? And so your content's been really, really helpful for me with that. Oh, that's great. I think that's why I made it, really, because obviously I was diagnosed relatively recently, about a year ago now, with ADHD. And at the time that I was exploring that diagnosis and also my youngest daughter, who has the, the dual diagnosis too, there, just, there seemed to be a lot of content about ADHD and a lot of content about autism and not a lot of content. I think that's changed more now, but not a lot of content about both and how they interact. And I was like, before I got my ADHD diagnosis, I always felt like I wasn't quite the the autistic 
person that I like I wasn't bookish I wasn't quiet I wasn't organized I wasn't very good at sticking to a schedule I'm not I know I'm citing a lot of like autism kind of stereotypes and not all autistic people are like that but I just kind of felt like there was something else some some other element that was going on for me so yeah hopefully hopefully there's going to be lots of autistic people who who might realize that they also have ADHD from seeing that um, a lot of ADHD people the other way around and then people who already have both those diagnoses being able to go oh right okay yeah I, I'm still not alone there are other people because there's a lot of people with both yeah actually. and I think for, I'm in the I'm in the moment where I'm waiting for my assessment so now I'm waiting for my ADHD assessment I'm questioning my autism diagnosis yeah I had I definitely had that I definitely had oh maybe it was wrong and I actually in fact have ADHD that would be rather yeah. embarrassing having talked about autism on the internet for the last five years yeah <laughs> that's kind of where I am and that's where your videos and your content has helped me because I'm like it's not just me and I've spoke to other people and they've talked about imposter syndrome and I'm like I just it makes you feel so much better to know that you know there's other people the same yeah oh that's great to hear I mean that's the whole point really like well half of the point I suppose that half of the reason that I do what I do is so that other people because I had such low self-esteem and such low sort of self-worth I guess to hopefully be able to inspire other people to feel better quicker than I did maybe like without 10 years of therapy um <laughs> and also yeah to help people that real to realize that autism doesn't always look the same on everybody yeah so when do you think you, you realised that you were ADHD? Uh, so my um, my youngest has a diagnosis of autism, dyslexia, dyspraxia and ADHD. And when she was, when it was first put to me that she might have ADHD and she was being assessed for ADHD, I obviously did a lot of research because that wasn't actually something I knew a lot about at the time. Yeah. Um, and as I was reading the lists about ADHD, I was just like, I mean, this is me. 100% this is me how, how could I have missed this um but you know like you always kind of want to run it by someone don't you so I sent some articles and some information to my husband and he was also like oh my god yeah this is so you even more so than than the autism I suppose not that autism doesn't fit me but even more like I think because ADHD the way that it's diagnosed is a list of traits yeah. that you have to tick a certain number of boxes it's almost a little bit easier to kind of figure out whether you fit that diagnostic criteria yeah um so yeah I think it was doing the research and just a real aha moment of oh my goodness how could I have missed this um and then I spoke to I spoke to my um my mom who was like oh yeah but you were really well behaved in school and I was like wow you have a different memory of school than the one that I have <laughs> See, I did the exact same thing I sent stuff to my husband and he's like yeah definitely that is so you um but then I remember back to my school days and I was the naughty kid I was always in trouble and I remember thinking that I didn't mean to be naughty I wasn't trying to be naughty I just couldn't kind of cope in the in the in the circumstances that I was in I, di I didn't get on well at school yeah, no, I mean, I think I was less, less, I wasn't like really naughty, but I did just struggle to not blurt stuff out in class or like, and I alienated myself from a lot of the other kids by A, being a bit weird and stimming, but also by just not being able to shut up, like yeah. not being able to like know when to stop talking and when to start talking. So I'd just talk. Um, yeah, so I think... 
I think that's the other thing. I think there is this stereotype of ADHD being the kid that's bouncing off the walls in school and climbing up the furniture and being really all over the place. But actually, it can look like someone who can't control their emotions and can't control and like is is being perfectly well behaved, but they're not actually learning anything because they look like they're paying attention, but they're not paying attention, you know? Yeah. I know I've filled out the paperwork for my assessment because I'm going through right to choose. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So you might be going to the same people that I was assessed by. Right. Uh, when filling out the paperwork, it made me realise even more that I fitted it because you have to fill it out. And it's a, you, uh, they'll ask a question. It's sometimes, often, very and all the time and mm-hmm. if you to do very and all the time you have to fill it in and I was like all the time all the time all the time I think I did one very but there was none that, that I didn't have to fill in I was like yeah this makes so much sense now yeah and and you have to get because my partner there's some other forms isn't there for, for someone that knows you really well and my partner yeah. filled those out and when we um had the actual assessment the doctor was like you provided us with a lot of information <laughs> both of you a lot of information <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I think I, I wrote things down and I thought I didn't realise that they were actually ADHD traits at the time. No, like one of the big ones for me was uh, I've always had meltdowns, which is obviously um, in part because of my autism. But what I didn't realise was that the inability to kind of control my emotions and my impulses around my emotions and the ways that I would react to those emotions was an ADHD thing. And I'd never really, I didn't know had ADHD had anything to do with emotional regulation at all. So that's been a really big one for me and probably the one that, like in terms of getting support for my ADHD has made the biggest difference to my life. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I think that's one that would be really good for people to know um, that in fact, emotional regulation is a big issue for people with ADHD. Yeah. Uh, Tomorrow, me and my husband are going to a friend's and he rang me just before this podcast and I got, I didn't know how to react because I was excited, but I wanted to be calm. And my husband said, your feet are just going like this. He said, just take a breath, calm down. And I just, he can see it before I can see it. Yeah, but you don't really recognise that you're doing it until I think I tell you what's made made me realise it so much is that um, I'm on ADHD medication, which I started after my after I got my diagnosis. And I'm not a medical professional, and I'm not recommending that everyone should take ADHD medication. But for me, I remember about a week after I started on the medication, I had just gotten a GoPro. I'd just hit, I'd just hit 10K on my YouTube channel. And, and to treat me, my husband bought me the latest GoPro for me to use for vlogs. And it arrived and he bought me like a package where he got a bunch of extra stuff and it arrived in this big box. And I started getting it all out and I couldn't figure out how to make it work or how to make it fit together. And like pre-medication, I would have almost certainly freaked out and had a meltdown and it would have ended in tears. And I found myself thinking, hmm, this seems a bit complicated and maybe you're a bit tired. Perhaps you should put it back in the box and sit down and chill out for a bit and go back to it later. And I did that and everything was fine. And I was like, that's what the medication's doing. It's giving me a chance to think, oh, how do I want to handle this? Rather than just diving straight in with a reaction, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think for me, one of the reasons that I want to go for the diagnosis is to trial medication because... I've read so much about it calming your brain and helping you focus. I find at work, I jump from project to project. I don't finish anything. And I would love to be able to just sit down and complete a task. Yeah, I still, I'm not going to lie, I still struggle with that a little bit. It's helped me loads and loads with emotional regulation and sort of helped me to be in control of myself enough to 
navigate the world in a more efficient way, to be able to maintain my personal boundaries, to be able to treat people probably with more respect because I'm not just going, you said this thing and I hated it, you know. Um, but in terms of like actually sitting down and working, I still find myself falling down rabbit holes that I didn't mean to go down on the internet or, yeah. you know, answering my phone when I should be editing or... But what it has done is given me the enough focus to figure out some strategies that might prevent me from doing that. And yeah, I think that's the thing about ADHD medication. I think it's like it's definitely not like a, like a fix all, yeah. but it's enough control that you can then start to think, right, how do I actually need to do things so that it works for me? Whereas pre-medication, I was just kind of it's not working, but I don't really I don't really know what to do. So I'll just keep doing the same thing over and over again and hope it, hope it gets better on its own, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then on the emotional side, the reason that I thought I, I had ADHD is because of rejection sensitive dysphoria. Oh, rejection. Have you have you watched my video on that topic? No. I made a video about rejection sensitive dysphoria because it hit home so hard when I heard about that. I was like, oh, my God, there's yeah. a name for this thing that I've been living with and other people experience. It. It's not just me. And if I'm aware of it, maybe that will help me to cope with it. You know, Oh well, I'm definitely going to watch that video after this, because for me, it was like, why am I always suicidal for a very short period of time? Like, it's really, my husband would say, you're just being silly. How can you feel like you want to die when this has just happened? And it was like, he fell asleep watching the Olympics and I started crying. And then I started to look into it. And I was like, that's, that's what it is. It's rejection. And it's not real rejection most of the time. But to me, it's just the biggest part of my life. I mean, even just someone didn't have the right facial expression when they served me in a shop. <laughs> set me off you know like the tiniest thing the tiniest yeah. little subtlest thing it must be really hard I feel really bad for my husband sometimes because I'm like wow I need so much reassurance from yeah. you that everything's fine because if someone looks I think it's the autism and the ADHD combined actually is that I'm not very good at reading faces unless emotions are displayed in a really big way on someone's face yeah. I don't really know what they're thinking so my autism's trying to figure out what's going on and my ADHD is going it's something bad and they hate you now <laughs> that's how it decides to interpret anything yeah. I don't understand that sounds just like me and like with my husband if if he's not got the right face on I think he's in a mood and I've done yeah. something wrong so yeah. then I'm like what's wrong what's wrong and he's like nothing I'm just you know just being me but I take it really badly yeah, I do yeah. as well. I'm really, really sensitive to rejection. But what's been really useful since getting the diagnosis and learning about um, rejection-sensitive dysphoria, which isn't actually officially an ADHD thing, but so many of us are talking about it that I think yeah. it must be, is being able to say to people, being able to say to my friends, for example, look, I know it's neurotic that if you don't reply to my text, I'm like a mess on the floor, but here's why I have this thing. It's part of my ADHD. I really can't help it. So it would help me if even if you just send a smiley face back, no effort required, I'll know that you haven't decided you hate me and you no longer want to be friends with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is nice when people understand. So have you got supportive friends? Yeah, I'm really, really lucky. Ever since I was uh, diagnosed uh, as autistic, I have kind of been able to pick up some, pick up, like, yeah, I just went to the shop. I've been able to pick up some really lovely supportive friends most of whom are also neurodivergent which really helps um but a couple of whom aren't who I don't have to mask around and I don't have to pretend that I'm fine when I'm not fine I can actually say like um a lot of people who've watched my videos will have seen Roz my friend Roz who I quite often do make videos with um 
has been really busy lately because she's been moving house and stuff. And we're normally in a lot of, we're really close and we're in a lot of contact. And so she hadn't messaged me for two weeks. So I messaged her saying like, okay, this is probably just my brain, but I feel like you hate me. <laughs> so it's fine. Or, or like you're trying to distance, maybe you don't want as much of a friendship with me anymore, which is fine, but I'd just rather know. And rather than being like, wow, you're neurotic, she came back with, oh, no, 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 not at all. Here's what's been going on for me. Here's why, you know, like, and not treating me like I'm an idiot for feeling that way. Yeah, but that's important. I've got some friends that are like that, and it's really important. Yeah, I feel yeah. really blessed with my friends. Sometimes I'm a bit like, I have no idea what they're getting from their relationship with me, but I love being friends with them. Do but that's again that. Like, with your rejection, do you feel like if they text you, you have to text them back straight away? Yes, yes. And then conversely, when I text them and they don't text straight back straight away, I can actually feel annoyed because I didn't do that to you, even yeah. though they never asked me to text back straight away in the first place. But yeah. I have gotten better at managing that. I have gotten a lot better. I'm like, okay, 24 hours. Give them 24 hours. You're listening to the Sensory Matters podcast with me, Loz. Fast track your understanding of sensory processing difficulties and create helpful strategies to add into your life. Check out my course, Six Weeks to Sensory Perception at sensuli.com. Now let's go back to the podcast. So yeah, so obviously I follow you on Facebook because I'm old <laughs> and I find Facebook the easiest place. I do go from Facebook to your videos on YouTube, but tell us a bit more about everything that you do, you know, your YouTube, your website, your club. Yeah, so um, I'd say Facebook, I mean, by all means, people should follow me on Facebook, but I don't make any original content from Facebook for Facebook. It's my sort of least active social media channel if you like yeah. um my main three channels are youtube tiktok and instagram um and i make a weekly video on youtube uh and a bunch of videos on tiktok uh so as part of the youtube channel i have a youtube memberships option which is where people can support me in the work that i'm doing with a small monthly payment, which is really great because it enables me to uh, make a living from what I do and be able to keep doing it. And in exchange, we've got a Discord group, which is, I'm not just saying this, it is so lovely. The people that have joined, it's called the Purple People, my club, and the people that have joined this club are the most delightful people. There's no drama. Everyone's really respectful of each other. And we have a bunch of different boards like parenting, LGBTQ+, sensitive topics, disability, ADHD. And so if anyone's got anything they want to discuss within those areas, they feel, because it's a private group, I think they feel a little bit safer and because we all have kind of gotten to know each other. And it's also the place that I get suggestions for videos and, and things like that. And I also make an exclusive monthly video for the Purple People. And what's exciting that's coming up in that is uh, Mr. Purple has historically never been on a video. And it's a much requested thing. Like, could we talk to your husband what, about what it's like being married to someone? And, you know, there's so much that can come from those kinds of discussions with us together. Right. And he's actually agreed to start making... Well, he's agreed to make a video for my members, but if it goes well, that will hopefully be something we do in an ongoing way. So you'll get that kind of um, extra element of, of how does my relationship work? How do we navigate being neurotypical and neurodivergent and running a family and all of that? 
Yeah. What else do I do? Yeah. So then I've got TikTok and I've got Instagram. And I also have a collaboration with a company called Born Anxious. Do you know Born Anxious? I do. Um, yeah. They, they stock our stuff, actually. They're great. Oh, they're lovely. I mean, Kelly, who runs Born Anxious, is, is amazing. She's respectful. She's such a great advocate and ally for our community. Um, and she approached me about a collaboration, um, which I brought out uh about a year ago and since then I've brought out another design so there are two designs on there and it's t-shirts and hoodies and they're all organic cotton and they've not got any labels and they don't cost a million pounds because you know YouTube and merch is sometimes a little bit crazy price isn't it and I just couldn't in all good conscience do that so they're a reasonable price and and a percentage of the donation of the money you pay goes to um, autism charities as well what else do I do Oh, and I also have, I should promote this because I never do. I have a video service. So if someone had like a question about autism or ADHD or both or disability or what my favorite Lego is, they pay a small amount and I send them a personal video response to that question. So that's a really great kind of option for people who want to, because I get a lot of emails and a lot of comments and a lot of questions wanting me to look specifically at that person's individual set of circumstances and offer feedback. And you can imagine I couldn't possibly do that with all of those questions, or it would be my full-time job just doing that and I wouldn't get paid and I wouldn't pay my mortgage. So this is a way to sort of streamline that for people. Yeah, Yeah. I'll have to tell Jamie's old school because I don't know if I told you, but when Jamie was at the last school, the residential, we went for the annual review Mm -hmm. and the speech and language language therapist was like, oh, we watched Purple Ella, Purple Ella's great, blah, blah. I'm like, why not Purple Ella? And she was like, no way, like really? I went, yeah, I've met her. She's like, oh, we love her. We put uh, put the videos on in, in class and, you know, yeah so that is that is I'm kind of like one thing I've been really bad at because I've been doing what I do as you know now for six years um and for the first four years I made no money at all like literally no money um and that's fine because that's not my main motivation but it making it sustainable financially means that I can allocate time to the work and do a better job you know yeah, definitely. Uh, so I was really interested when I was looking at your um, Facebook page, you've got a pinned post and it talks about your tip jar. Oh, yeah. The other thing I've got, and this is a few of the things that I've got, I've got set up because people ask me for them. Yeah. So this is a thing called, I can never say it right. So laugh at me. Ko-fi, coffee. I'm not sure what it's called. Oh, it's no K-O <laughs> slash F-I. Um, and it's a tip jar. So basically anyone that doesn't have the financial capacity perhaps or doesn't want to pay a month, regular monthly thing, but has, say, um, oh gosh, I'm so sorry. That's has okay. say, uh, <laughs> used, um, for example, say a school that might have used my videos for years and never kind of contributed to the channel financially and wanted to pay like a one-off thank you. That's a yeah. way that they can do that. And I spend it on bubble tea. So it's, oh, it's like a yeah. win for everyone. Um, so yeah, that's the other thing that I have that is a way that people can pay me. And then people started asking me, because people had said, how can we do that? So I set that up. And then people started asking me if they could send me stuff like through the post and I mean who doesn't love getting parcels right like I mean it's fun isn't it but obviously I can't be giving out my address because I mean obviously all those millions of fans (laughs) would be on my door no but it's for privacy issues and I looked into PO boxes and do you know that PO boxes cost like 30 quid a month wow yeah so I can't do that so I set up an Amazon wish list as well that's the other thing that I set up with stupid stuff on it like cuddly toys and sensory stuff and you know 
things that would make me happy. So a couple of people have sent me things from that, and that is exceptionally exciting. Yeah, that sounds really cool. But I I would say, like, this sort of self-promotion is the thing that I'm the worst at, and I wonder whether that's an autism thing in that it makes me feel, because ultimately I want my work to be accessible to people without them needing to contribute financially, because not everybody can, and I want that very much. And the idea of asking for people for money or asking people to contribute makes me feel really uncomfortable. Whereas if I was selling them an actual product, I'd probably feel fine with that. Yeah, I think we had this discussion a few years ago about you not really wanting to ask for money, but everybody else around was kind of monetizing. Yeah. I I remember saying that you felt uncomfortable. But I think I agree with that. You're giving people so much that just the fact that you've got the tip jar if they can't afford to join the group it's like I, I'm on a few ADHD meme sites and I'll often buy somebody a coffee because I think well do you know what I'd never have seen that meme if it wasn't for them right exactly we actually have a meme board on the purple people's discord group right. and I do enjoy that it's mostly ADHD and autism memes so any good ones send them my way so I can put them up there because they do make oh, me well, I'm gonna have a look at the purple people after this actually because I feel like I want to be a pur- purple person I mean purple who wouldn't person. want to be a purple person I don't understand Discord, but the kids can help me. Discord is great. I didn't understand Discord either, but it is a great way to have that private forum that I can keep because I keep it. I have an admin uh, person as well um, to keep it really, really safe and really, really supportive so that people can really feel so many of the people in that group say that they feel like it's a really safe space. And Discord offers it's basically just a message board on a particular site. So it's quite easy to use. And most of us, I mean, I have got my youngest purple person is like 14. So I've got some youngsters, but all, there are many of us over 30, over 40, even over 50 in that group. Yeah. And they've all mastered Discord. Most of them were never there before they did this. Yeah. So, yeah. So yeah, if I wanted so... to find out about the, the purple people, I'd go to YouTube. Yeah. So there's a join button at the top of my channel that you right. can click and it tells you about that. And yeah. then if you join, which by all means, don't feel any pressure. But if you do, there's instructions then on how to join the Discord group. Yeah. And can you can you leave when you want? like if you can't afford it or oh yeah 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 yeah. I would never expect someone to be like well now you have to pay me five pound a month for the rest of your life (laughs) imagine (laughs) no I mean I always say like any any contribution is so appreciated and when people leave that's obviously absolutely fine yeah so that group's five pounds a month uh yeah yeah Yeah. I don't get five pounds a month because YouTube takes some of my money but yeah for me I think like um because like my kids have got subscriptions to stuff Mm -hmm. and sometimes I think I need to give myself something yeah you know yeah. like I, I like subscriptions I think yeah. they're really exciting and yeah, so yeah, to subscribe yeah. to something that's going to be helpful and meet people that are similar yeah and they, yeah. Honestly, I can't I can't believe how lucky I've been because I've spoken to other creators I remember when I was setting up my discord group because initially I didn't have that in the purple yeah. people offer I was speaking to another creator that I know and they were like oh gosh don't set up a discord group there'll be so much drama it's so stressful and I was just like no nah, it'll be fine and I'm like I must just be blessed with the best audience because they never no one's ever unkind to anyone yeah I say that and I'm gonna go in the discord group when I finish this and be like oh my goodness what's happened <laughs> no I'm definitely gonna look at that because I, I pay for my youngest he has because um, you can get discord you can get it free and you can pay for it can't you yeah, yeah, yeah. I pay for his Discord so that he can use emojis. Yeah, so I have my own emojis. <laughs> I made my own emojis that you can use, like, on my live streams. Like, uh, last this week I did a members-only live stream, and that was lovely because unlike the regular live streams where I'm kind of in panic going, oh, my goodness, I must remember to promote myself and do the live stream. And, you know, I was able to be like, okay, 
we were already we we're already in my club. I don't have to do any promotion. Let's just sit and have a chat. And one of the uh, one of the members afterwards said it was just like sitting around a table in a pub as a group yeah. chatting about autism. It was just lovely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But there's but there's stickers. There's a Coco sticker. There's a me sticker, and you can oh. use those in the Discord group as well. So I is, is that stuff that you've drawn? Because I know you do you do a lot. You do some drawing. Yeah, so some of it's some of it's drawn and some of it's some of it's pictures. Um, yeah. and my other design, my second design at Born Anxious. Have you seen my brain? It's um, it's a brain that I drew, and it says my neurons rock because yeah, they do. Oh. <laughs> no, I haven't seen that one. I'm gonna have to go and look because I was on their website yesterday. Um, they've got some great new stuff. Yeah, Kelly's great. I think what she's doing is great, and she's really easy and respectful to work with. To the point where um, the new design that I brought out, uh, me being me, I didn't think anything about the practicalities of having something printed. And I drew this magnificent brain and it's got like six different colours in it, the, you know, like the neurodivergency, yeah. infinity loop. And um, then she went to a printer and they were like, yeah, we can't do this. It'll cost loads of money. <laughs> you won't be able to make any money off it. So it took about, it took about eight months to sort this out. And yeah. in the end, she was literally like, uh no I mean it's fine you'll make I won't make any profit but you'll still make the profit that you're going to make and I was like no wait <laughs> hang on what you have to do more work than me ultimately so we decided did decide to put the price of that one up enough that she would make a profit but her first instinct was oh, oh that's okay I just yeah. won't make any money and that's just so lovely isn't it that is really nice yeah and I think the thing is sometimes when you're selling a product people don't realize the implications so it's cost more to print that so obviously that's a more expensive t-shirt but when people come to a website, they think, why is that more expensive? But when people don't understand what's behind it. Like the more colours you put in a print on a T-shirt, the more it costs to print it, which I yeah. did not realise at all. But it's obvious no. when you think about it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely after this going to look at the purple people because I need to do something for myself. I'm always saying I'm going to do something for myself. And I think especially with the way the world has been and like... I've made friends online with other autistic adults and ADHD adults, but locally it's difficult. I don't really know anybody. Yeah, I th I'm sure you would. There's a couple of people in the group that I think you would connect with in a similar way to what you've said about, you know, my life feeling. There's there's a couple of members that I'm thinking of in particular that are like us, you know, a couple of kids yeah. who are slightly older. Also, there's there's a you know a few people with gender questioning children, and there's just so yeah. much crossover, and it's just lovely. And the other thing that I got that was great from the purple people is I now have someone who does my graphics and does my thumbnails, and that was just literally someone had joined the club. Yeah. Um, and when I do graphics, do you want me to do some graphics for you? And I was like, I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Yeah. I suppose, which shows how unprofessional I am, but then they they made me like a proper subscribe button that's in my colors with my fun and it just looks so much better and my thumbnails all look unified and that's yeah. just because of forming I think that's the thing ultimately what we're talking about isn't it is forming communities is, yeah. is so great and I'd never I think back when I was sort of more in contact with you it felt like a lot of the advocates were a lot younger yeah than me by you know 15 20 years and although they were friendly I was never really part of the community of creators particularly on YouTube in the I just I just think they probably felt like I, I wouldn't have anything in common with them or whatever. Um, and so I didn't I didn't and I didn't feel like part of the community on on Twitter. I just I find that kind of stuff really, really difficult. Navigating social communities, even within the autism world, really difficult. And I did feel quite rejected at times. And, and having the purple people has made me see that I can make a community and it's a lovely community. And it's just. It's just that. 
I needed to I needed to unmask more like like back then sorry I'm not explaining this very well let me try again (laughs) back then I feel like I was almost trying too hard to be what I thought I needed to be to be on YouTube yeah? yeah and then the pandemic happened and I started doing regular live streams which is where I a lot of the people that are now purple people sort of started really engaging with my content regularly and then I started the club and then I had this massive burnout and I was really unwell and I had to really address why that had happened and how I could not have it happen again and I started learning how to stim and I got the ADHD diagnosis and I went for it even more with the whole you know the look that I have and that I like to dress in crazy colors and kawaii stuff and I, I stopped making the content how I thought it should look and started just being like okay this is what I want to make this is how like maybe I'm not like perfectly spoken and maybe I stumble over my words sometimes and maybe I do weird stuff with my hands but that's actually who I am so I'm going to do that yeah I feel like that's drawn people towards me because people can spot authenticity can't they definitely and that's where like I've got like I've I've become myself so I've got an undercut I've wanted an undercut for years but it's by seeing you, not just you, but other people like you as well. Mm-hmm. And I see um, Neurodivergent Rebel. There's a lot of older people now that have been diagnosed that are starting channels and stuff. And I think, I look and I think, I, I need to just be me. Stuff yeah. that I'm scared to do because I mask everything. Like I mask my clothes, my hair, ev- just everything. Yeah, so I mean, when be- I was in my 20s, 30s, when I had the kids, when they were little, I probably did the mum uniform, you know, the skin and the tunic dress and the hair in a certain style and I hated it and I felt really uncomfortable particularly since I'm non-binary um I felt really uncomfortable with it but um yeah like the more you do it and the more you see how actually it's easier to be part of community and to get on with people when you're being yourself definitely it's like it's like that classic thing isn't it you're trying too hard to be something you're not and people can tell Yeah, definitely. And I love the undercut. I would have an undercut. I personally like that style as well. But my hair is so fine that if I had an undercut, I'd look like one of those bald men that combs their hair over the top. (laughs) See, my hair's really thick. So I've been able to just go shorter and shorter and I just love it. Yeah, I love it too. Yeah. I've got to with everything. But yeah, yeah, I I just think it's it's important to be yourself. And really, because I used to think people were looking at me and people would say, oh, you've put weight on or look at your hair or look at what you know you're wearing tracksuit bottoms when you're a woman and now I, yeah. I've had this realization that I don't look at other people and think that no so would they do that to me and if they were doing that to you why would you care because they're obviously not the kind of people you'd want to be around the tracksuit bottom one really resonates with me yeah for so long I love tracksuit bottoms they're totally so I there's a, I think there's a lot of photos of me on the internet rocking tracksuit bottoms <laughs> so hopefully that helps normalize that for you yeah but yeah, it's really nice to talk to you. It's really nice to speak to somebody that's um, similar. And like, yeah, for, I mean, I'm not 40 till next month, but I think our, our kind of age group, we're like a missed generation of people. Yeah, and I, I think, think that's true. And like a lot of people are coming out and being their authentic selves and, and especially because of the internet, it's so accessible and it's just so nice to see other people that, that you can look at and think, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I just wish it would translate a bit more into like the real world, yeah? Because like you say, I think it's absolutely true that our generation and above, because you know, you've got to remember all the people yeah. in their 50s and their 60s yeah. have been missed because there wasn't a diagnosis of autism for us when we were teens and kids. It just wasn't a thing, right? Unless you were also had a learning difficulty. Yeah. Um, and so there's going to be loads of us that aren't diagnosed yet. And those of us that are diagnosed 
you know, yeah, struggling to find people that are in the same. We've, we've gotten married. We've had babies. I'm not saying you necessarily got married, but we've gotten into long-term relationships and we've had babies and we've bought houses and we've started careers all, all whilst not knowing that we're autistic. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's something that it's like, there's a part of me that feels like almost jealous of people in their twenties that are like, I just got diagnosed because I'm like, Oh my goodness. I'm so <laughs> jealous. I wish I'd been able to do all this, knowing this, how great it would have been, but also like looking forward to the rest of my life, not being, so difficult because I'm not going to be fighting who I am I'm just going to be owning who I am and proud yeah. of who I am yeah and that's the best way to be mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah. oh and also I have you know like extra help like having my assistance dog and oh, having yeah. that kind of stuff in place so I've so I so I got an assistance dog I, I I have a dog that I've had for um She's four in October, I can't believe it, Coco, and I've had her since she was a pup. And I always wanted to have, um, as soon as I knew I was autistic, I felt that I would benefit from an autism assistance dog because I was struggling a lot with very, a lot of frequent, very public meltdowns and kind of having to ask my husband to take a lot of time off work to accompany me to places because I couldn't do it on my own. Um, and then I found out that I could actually own a train her with the help of an organization to pass the public access test and pay a monthly fee so that she's insured and have that support. And so she's been qualified since last Christmas. She actually passed. So she went into training in the July and she passed in December. Um, and having her has made such a big difference to my life. And I feel like that's another thing that happens when you're diagnosed late is, is people, you might feel a bit like people are like, well, you've managed so far without any help or you've yeah. not looked this autistic before, but actually owning what we need and who we are, it makes a really big difference. And having her is, is one of those things. I'm trying to think what else I do now that's, that's different. I think just the other thing I got really so much better at in the last few years is, is personal boundaries. Yeah. And, and yeah, what, and, and also just not like, You've probably done this as a people pleaser, like not being so concerned with whether I, whether people like me and being more concerned with, do I actually want to develop a relationship with this person? Yeah. As the yeah, first definitely. point, rather yeah. than I must make everybody in the entire world like me because somehow yeah. I seem to think that's my job. Yeah. And if one person doesn't even not like you, that you just feel that they might not, it's the end of the world. Yeah. yeah. It feels so painful. The idea that someone's formed a negative opinion of me. Yeah, definitely. But it's a good job. I don't read all my comments. <laughs> <laughs> that's the other thing though like in a way being a content creator has helped me to develop a thicker skin because I do get people saying nobody ever says I'm not autistic which I don't know how to take that but I do get people saying no I do get people saying you're not autistic I get people saying you're doing this for money I mean seriously like do people seriously think you make money when you get an autism diagnosis and I get people saying that I get people saying really hurtful things. And like there's one particular person who has been coming to my channel to leave mean comments on my videos for at least three years now on a fairly regular basis. So he's going out of his way to do this to yeah. me. It's not just a random troll who's come across my video and left something crappy. He's, yeah. he's sort of targeting me. And like five years ago, this would have broken me and I would have found it so hard when I first started. But now I genuinely can just be like, oh, Here's the delete button. Bye-bye. Yeah. So it's helped me to become like less concerned with just what people are going to leave, comments people are going to leave. And that makes me feel like maybe I'm more, more of a confident person. Yeah. And I think as well, because you've got a community behind you, 
because I feel this, if, if I get a negative review or a negative comment, the community knows me, knows our business, and they will not come to my defence in like a, a nasty way, but there's always somebody to support me. Yeah, nobody ever does that with my mean comments. Maybe that's because I delete them really quickly. <laughs> yeah, and also because I suppose I feel a little bit like I did see in the past, and this is not at all, I'm sure, what you're doing, but I did see in the past some large autism creators who I'm not going to specifically name would set gangs of people on anyone that kind of disagreed with them. Um, and I kind of felt like, I kind of feel like even the mean trolls could potentially be an autistic person who doesn't understand how to communicate with me in an efficient way. Yeah. And so I, I don't want to, I don't want to send back hate. I don't want to receive hate and then just like reflect it back. Yeah. And so can I tell you a little story of how I got the trolls? Cause I was really pleased with this. Yeah. <laughs> so about three or four months ago on uh, TikTok, I had made a video about how I struggle to listen to people if they talk for a long time and like apologizing for that. And somebody came on and was like, that's not ADHD, you're just rude. <laughs> and I just, for some reason, I was just like, right, okay, I'm going to take this. So I made a, a TikTok, which was the, the three different things that you could do instead of leaving a crappy comment on my TikTok. And it was like, you could assess your cherry tomatoes and decide which one's the least funny and which one's the most funny and one of them I was like you could make a friend out of pillows and hang out with them and so this guy over the course of a day after this video went up first of all he went onto the original video where people had obviously started to reply to him because they'd seen yeah. that he'd been mean to me and he was defending himself and saying that he was right and then he put some then he deleted all of that then he put some comments on the new video the joke video that were also mean and people came to my defense and he deleted all of that. And then he did the same thing again. And he deleted all of that. And then like, so five or six hours after the video came out, he commented, fair enough. I wasn't actually meaning you specifically. And well done. This video was really funny. Oh, and I was cool. like, I beat the trolls there, right? Yeah. I convinced a troll to address me in a respectful manner. Yeah, that is so good. I felt really good. I was like, you learned a lesson here, didn't you, Steve? <laughs> yeah. I think it's important what you said before about you don't know what circumstances they're in. Um, I find this with customers. If I get a complaining customer, I think, well, maybe actually the complaint's not as bad as they're saying. They've just had a really shit morning. Exactly. And then if we take a step back and sometimes I'll ask a customer, are you okay? Because I can tell by the tone of their email. Because I've all, been there myself. We've all, we've all done it, haven't we? We've yeah. all handled things in a way that we're not proud of. And I, I just think if someone's angry and you send anger, anger back, the situation's going to inflame, isn't it? But if yeah. someone's angry and you send compassion back, then it might, it yeah. might get resolved, and you might end up being mates. You never know. Yeah. Um, again, this is a skill I've only been able to kind of get better at since getting those ADHD meds in my system because. Before that, I my instant reaction was emotion, strong emotion. Yeah. And you get flooded with it, don't you? Like, yeah. do you find this when you have an emotion? It's just like your whole body, you can't think about anything but the fact that you feel like this. Yeah. that That's one of the things the meds have helped with, for sure. Oh, that's good to know. Because, yeah, I mean, I cry a lot for what other people say is no apparent reason. I mean, I, I'm a weeper. I, I, don't, I don't actually mind that now. I even like, I'll be having discussions with Mr. Purple, my husband, and I'll start crying and I'll be like, don't worry, I always cry, <laughs> carry on. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same. I cry at everything. But I think that's the thing, isn't it? We always hear you're too sensitive, yeah? yeah. I mean, let's reframe that. You're very sensitive. Could be a compliment, couldn't it? Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. And that's what I've I always thought about my youngest is he's very sensitive. And I think that's a really good trait. Because it means you care. It means you're more likely to be compassionate. And I think people like us have a, a greater tendency to be able to understand when someone else is struggling because we get it. We really yeah. get it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think we'll we'll finish it there because um, yeah, it's been absolutely yeah, it's been amazing talking to you. You've covered so much. It's been really nice, especially to have you back on the first podcast. I'm hoping to get more people on. Um, but yeah, it's just been really nice to chat to you. And it's been years since we've like since I've seen you, since we've really interacted. Um, and it's nice. I feel like it didn't feel uncomfortable. No, no, not at all. Well, I mean, we know each other, don't we? Vaguely. Yeah. I mean, not really well, but we've always been in the same circles for quite yeah. a while now and yeah so yeah and also I can just talk for England can't I? <laughs> that's why I script myself on YouTube now because uh, <laughs> my videos would be like two hours long <laughs> yeah I've done some videos where I've scripted them and somewhere I just talk and I'm like I can't edit this down enough that somebody actually wants to watch it <laughs> and do you find that when you're trying to edit those longer videos there are no pause points for you to put an edit in yeah um, and when I do a scripted, I'll read a bit and then I'll go, I have this tell of when I'm going to be able to edit. But yeah, when yeah. I just go on like, da, 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 and people have said to me, you need to slow down. Like, But that's, that's, I get that as well. But then actually on TikTok, I found a lot of ADHDers saying, I love the speed of your videos because it works for my brain. The fact um, that I talk fast is good for them. So yeah, that makes sense because I listen to Audible and I increase the speed of my books. Yeah, I do the same thing. I do the same thing with YouTube. I do the same thing with yeah. podcasts. Yeah, otherwise, that makes sense. I just sort of switch off. Like that thing where you read a book and you read the same. Do you ever do this? You'll read yeah. and then you'll be like, oh, I actually didn't pay any attention to that. Yeah. And you read it again and again until it, yeah. your brain is focused on it. Yeah, oh, that makes loads of sense. Well, I'm definitely going to check, check out your TikTok because um, Jamie always says, oh my God, my mom and dad love TikTok and they're like 40. <laughs> there's actually quite a lot of older people making content on tiktok these days yeah. i didn't go onto tiktok for ages because i was like oh my goodness i'm way too um old and this seems really scary um but now that i'm on it that some of the creators that i follow that are older are just awesome uh, i mean there's like properly full-on pensioners on there making yeah. content and good is on it them, fun right? to do is it what sorry fun to do TikTok. yeah it's really really fun I absolutely I think that's like it. really important because it's it's little videos and I thought it does look a lot of fun yeah so like I've been making all this really kind of dry content on YouTube for years where it's like research and it's scripted and it's a specific topic yeah. whereas on TikTok you can you can get in on the memes yeah and just like mime along to songs or dance or and because I come from a performing background I don't know whether you know this but I was actually I have a degree in contemporary dance and then I was a circus artist so that's where I come from wow. having this thing where I can merge my perform skills as a performer and my knowledge as an advocate into one lot of content has really worked well for me and um satisfyingly I've grown reasonably well on there as well and as I say like gotten kind of interest from TikTok themselves and I think it's like I was on YouTube for so long sitting there with hardly any subscribers relatively speaking going why am I not growing <laughs> basically because I don't understand the algorithm or how to navigate it so to go onto a social media platform and actually grow has been incredibly satisfying to be honest yeah, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant I'm just so glad you're doing well you seem like you're in a really good place because I, like I do follow yourself seeing that you know you've had blips and things and yeah, yeah it's just nice to see that you're doing well Thank you, you too. You've been listening to the Sensory Matters podcast with Loz. 
If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can leave us a five-star review so that other people can find our content. See you again next time. Bye.